This is the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. My name is Sarah Jefford and I'm a surrogate and a surrogacy lawyer. While I've got your attention, I'm letting you know about my new book, More Than Just a Baby, A Guide to Surrogacy for Intended Parents and Surrogates, is available on my website at sarahjefford.com. You can find all the details there. It is the only guide to surrogacy in Australia and it covers everything from the processes and laws, how to find a surrogate or intended parents, and everything in between from finding all the way through to the fourth trimester. You can find it on the website and you can also contact me if you have any questions. I'm at sarah at sarahjefford.com. In this episode, I had the pleasure of chatting with Rob, who together with his partner Mark travelled to Canada earlier this year to bring back their son Louis after pursuing surrogacy in Canada. They managed to get back home on the cusp of the COVID pandemic shutting down borders, so they were very lucky. Uh, But they have lots of reflections on uh, pursuing surrogacy first within Australia and then deciding finally on Canada. I'm going to hand over now to Rob. My name's Rob and um, my husband is Mark and we've had a baby through surrogacy in Canada and his name is Louis. Congratulations, because you're fairly new dads. How old's Louis now? Louis is five and a half months now. Yeah, Yeah. so it's gone very quickly. And I understand that you went through surrogacy in Canada. Take me right back. What was your initial thoughts about surrogacy and how did you sort of find yourself going to Canada? Yeah, it's a reasonably convoluted story, but essentially we um, kind of always wanted to have a a baby and then our friends had a baby through surrogacy and that kind of made us realize that this is something that we can actually do we weren't really sure how to go about it what we were going to do and and we really wanted to do it in australia was our preference and so we signed up to the australian surrogacy community and egg donation australia and got a lot of information and then we started thought well we'll start first just reach out to our network of people our family and friends and see if anyone would be willing to um, offer to be a surrogate or an egg donor and thankfully mark's sister offered to be an egg donor for us and she lives down in melbourne so we sort of we pursued that she flew up to melbourne uh, we did an egg collection and we ended up getting six eggs and five of those fertilized but unfortunately none of them became embryos Oh wow! And we, yeah, so that was a bit, a bit sort of, uh, like obviously a bit heartbreaking because that was would have been lovely to have my genetics and my husband's genetics in our baby, um, and, but it it wasn't to be. It was a very expensive process, and we just realized, and we realized we couldn't just keep doing egg collections in Australia uh, with the chance of success being so low. Um, and so we sort of had to re-explore a few other, other options. In the meantime, my mum's part, so my mum has a female partner. They've been together for about maybe 20 years now. Um, my mum's female partner actually volunteered to be our surrogate. And um, she was 51, so quite sort of an older surrogate. And we knew that we, only had a, if we were going to do it, we only had a brief time frame to do it because uh, the fertility clinic said once you turn 50, on your 53rd birthday, they won't do a transfer anymore. That's the sort of cutoff. So it was sort of a, a race to 
make some embryos somehow and um and then go and then and then um before the 53rd birthday uh, so we we pursued that did she need particular medical clearance before they said yes or was it just her birthday that they were worried about yeah no we we um she had to go and see a maternal fetal medicine specialist to make sure that she was healthy enough for, for the pregnancy she'd had two kids herself and they'd been really normal really easy pregnancies she's very healthy no medical conditions um and she also saw a cardiologist as well to make sure that you know she was her heart was strong enough uh so we, we sort of did the medical due diligence but then we also went through the surrogacy the, the counseling through um katrina hale we completed all of the the pre-surrogacy counseling we had all the legals done so we had we we're basically ready to go um which was great uh then we had mark and i had our wedding so we we uh we, we all actually went to bali for our wedding we had the family all, all went together over to bali and uh, it was a really beautiful wedding but the day after our wedding um my mom's partner pulled out she said that she could, just couldn't do it she she was worried about what effect it would have on the family and worried about what would happen what effect it would have on her her daughters and um it was devastating it was really we were back to square one we had no success with the embryos we had we no, no longer had a surrogate uh and it was it was sad so we kind of put things on the back burner for a bit and went off on our honeymoon and just had to regroup and think a bit more about what we would do and as it so happened soon after that we someone reached out to us from the australian surrogacy community um someone who actually is married to a school friend of ours and she was she was really keen to be our surrogate and so we started surrogate dating um which was which was fun um and we think we didn't go too far with her thankfully thankfully and then and eventually um it came out that her husband wasn't quite ready to to go down the the sort of surrogacy route go on the journey with us so that fell through as well so then we're back to square one again and it was um so then we had to be sort of regroup we're like well let's just make some embryos let's see let's first let's see how we can make some embryos because once we've got those then we can we'll we'll, we'll find out how we can bring them to life <laughs> uh so we uh, found a clinic in the US through the um family through surrogacy seminar and um flew over there and found a, a lovely uh, known donor uh and made essentially 10 embryos oh wow out of that 10 pgs tested embryos from one collection amazing um, which was really good yeah so yeah we were super happy we had five five each i think um and then we were like now what are we going to do <laughs> we can't we can't pursue commercial surrogacy in the US because we are new south wales residents and it's illegal and as i'm a gp so i i have a, i'm a member of a professional body if i was ever charged with a crime i would never be able to work again and my partner he's a he's a government lawyer so he also can't take the risk of of commercial surrogacy so we actually looked at moving to melbourne um because i know that in melbourne 
you could correct me if you're wrong, you're the lawyer, but in Melbourne, you can pursue overseas commercial surrogacy. Yeah, that's um, right. So the, um, the law in New South Wales and Queensland and the ACT is that you, as, those, as residents in one of those states, the territory, you can't pursue commercial surrogacy, even if it's legal in the country where you're pursuing it. So for example, in the United States, but um, there's no such law in Victoria. Yeah. So you can't engage in commercial um, surrogacy within Victoria, but you can go overseas and do it overseas as being Victorian residents, for example. So we thought that was a, a big, it would have been a big step to uproot our, our life. Like I, as a GP, you don't, you take, it takes years to build up your patients and you get to know them. You have, you see kids from birth right through to, to being teenagers. And, and so it was a real, um, I just couldn't get my head around moving. I didn't want to, to leave my life here. And Mark had only just got this job with the government. And, um, and so we sort of thought, I don't know what we're going to do. So we kept looking. And eventually we found, we went to another family through surrogacy conference and got chatting and found out that Canada offers altruistic surrogacy. Um, which we looked into and it, it looked very similar to Australia in a lot of ways. Um, probably not as, uh, not as strict as Australia, um, but quite a similar framework. And so we reached out, we interviewed a bunch of different agencies, uh, surrogacy agencies and settled on one um, called ANU. And um, they were really lovely, really caring and organized um, and honest uh which we liked and they told us um it, it will take you uh what did they say six months to 12 to 12 months before we can sort of match you with the surrogate for or um in fact i don't think they match you what they do is that it's kind of like dating they, they provide the surrogates with a bunch of profiles so 10 10 intended parent profiles and then the surrogate chooses the one that they want to chat to or or sorrow date um, and we were so lucky two weeks after we signed up with them they we, we matched we a surrogate wanted to to talk to us and um uh, and we loved her. her her name was toya she's a really amazing woman um and we connected really well and we were on like it was a it was a we we we're ready to go. So it was it must um, be some sort of amazing. record two weeks from signing up to meeting and chatting. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, I know. It was, we, we were fully expecting to wait six to 12 months and that's what they told us. But um, I don't know, maybe we, if we thought it was time to have some good luck, maybe we just, <laughs> after all the bad luck that we'd had up to that point, um, I don't know. <laughs> It just was, so we were, we were really happy. Um, and um, yeah, so Toya, our, our surrogate, she in, in her 30s, she's had two kids before. She's also been an egg donor before. And she's always thought that she wanted to be a surrogate, but in the past hasn't been the place to do that. But her daughter was five years old at school and she felt like she had, had that opportunity to help someone. And so she lives in, London, Ontario, which I didn't even know there was another London, <laughs> apart from the one in the UK. And so we went through legals and, and medical clearance and counselling with her. So same sort of process as what we do in Australia. 
and probably about four to five months after we matched, um, she went for her first transfer. And this is where we also were super lucky that we had our first embryo took and, and, and she was pregnant. And, it, and of course, like everybody, every single week, every milestone, you're like holding your breath. Are we going to get through the first six weeks? Are we going to get through the first trimester? Can we get to 24 weeks? And, and, and each step, you're, you're um, so nervous. And the strange thing is, well, not, not strange, it's probably, everyone probably experiences this, because of the time difference, we would often, she'd go for an ultrasound scan and it would be the middle of the night for us. So we would be checking our phone at 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m., just to find out the, whether she'd texted us with the result. Um, uh, so a lot of nervous nights, but uh, it was so sweet. She really inclu included us in everything. She even out of her own, out of her own money paid for a 3D ultrasound um, that was live streamed to Australia for us to watch on online. Um, and that was really cool. In fact, I was watching it at work and I was like, all my work colleagues ran in and watched my uh, our little baby Louie on, on, um, on live stream on our computer. It was pretty surreal. <laughs> Lovely. Did, did you travel to Canada at all during the pregnancy or did you wait until the, the birth was imminent? We, we didn't actually, we, that's one thing I wish I had done. I wish we had gone over to Canada um, during the pregnancy or before the pregnancy, but it just didn't work with our, with just other commitments and things. And um, so, yeah, no, we didn't go over beforehand, but I felt like we had a really, we still managed to create a really good connection through WhatsApp and Skype and that sort of thing. Yeah. So tell me about the birth, um, because obviously different countries have sort of different protocols and things like that. You were um, attending the birth right mm. before the COVID stuff happened. So tell me what was happening in yeah. Canada at the time around the birth protocols and you being there? Yeah, it was, um, yeah, from arriving to when Louis was born, the pandemic just took off. It, it suddenly exploded in Italy, Europe. Um, the first cases appeared in Canada. Um, thankfully, we were literally days before they imposed restrictions on people being in the room for the birth. Um, we, we probably we actually had a huge team in our in our birthing suite. We had the, the Toya. We had her partner, who's amazing, by the way. He was so supportive. Uh, we had Mark. We had a doula. We had two midwives and a midwife uh, student. So we had a huge, and we also had a birth photographer as well, which was paid for by the, the um, ANU, the, the clinic. Um, yeah. Amazing. So it, it, was a, it was a crowded room. <laughs> and um, thankfully we didn't have to wear, we didn't have to wear masks. Like there was no, it hadn't really reached London, Ontario at that point. There were cases in Toronto, but the virus hadn't got to got to London, so um, it was yeah really um, really magical. Like they say, magical. It was traumatic, but also magical. <laughs> the experience of birth. Um, as a doctor, I think that sums it up. Magical before. and traumatic. That's about <laughs> that's about how to sum up birth. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Um, what was the process then to get both you yeah. and Mark listed on Louis's birth certificate? 
Um, so we had a really good lawyer in Canada and um, she applied for a court order uh, so that we, so there's two ways you can do it. You can do the sort of um, paperwork route or you can do the, the court, court route. Um, the paperwork route, you just, you just fill out some forms and you will end up on the birth certificate. Um, both parents, uh, Mark and I, with, with the surrogate not on the certificate, we decided to also go the, to go the court route because we wanted also to have a court order stating that we were the, the, the legal parents of the child. Even though technically that's not recognised in Australia, we thought it might help our case down the track if there was ever any disputes or, or issues. Um, so it was really, that was quite straightforward. We had that uh, the week after birth. Um, once we had that birth certificate, we then applied for a passport and um, we had a passport within two weeks of Louis's birth, uh, which was, and we were ready to, ready to get home. The challenge was, whilst we were pushing, pushing, pushing to get this passport and birth certificate, um, COVID was going crazy. The US had shut their borders to, to Europe. Um, and they had just shut their borders to, to the UK. We had originally planned to fly back via Dubai, but then there was out, the big outbreak in Dubai of coronavirus. Um, so we ended up finding flights through the US to go back via Singapore. So we were on the computer every single day, checking flights, checking the COVID, COVID numbers, um, and, and engaging with the lawyer to try and get this passport so we can get home. So it was a, it was a uh, well, I mean, the first two weeks of a baby being born is a pretty stressful time anyway. <laughs> then dealing with a global pandemic and trying to, and bureaucracy is, uh, is also stressful, <laughs> but we got through it, we managed. Mm. And what was that trip like coming back yeah. home and via America? So yeah, our flight back was via New York, New, New York airport. And um, so we, so we drove, we, yeah, so, we actually got stuck at the airport from going from Canada to the US. So as we're going through the passport office, or passport control, um, they didn't really say why, but they just said, you need to come with us. Um, and they just took us to this room. And you know, it's, you feel sorry, you, you do feel sorry for people that, that you know, maybe have a Muslim background or, or a Mexican background, because you could tell that they were profiling people and, and the only other people in that room had obviously been profiled and, and, and um, told they had to, to wait there for immigration reasons. So we were stuck there with this, with our two week old baby who was um, actually being pretty good, but you know, they, they, they're two weeks old, they need a lot of feeding and patting and changing. And, um, and we were not knowing whether, how long we were gonna be there. They had um, airline staff coming through who kept asking us what flight you're on because they needed to offload your bags and we, we didn't know if we were gonna, gonna, gonna um, make it onto our connecting flight. And eventually after about, must have been about two or three hours, they finally called us up and um, they essentially just wanted to see Louis's birth certificate to, sh to prove that we were his parents and that we weren't abducting him from Canada. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a really, really stressful time and that that sort of made us even more anxious about getting into Australia we were like what's going to happen when we get get to Australia 
flight home, we were really worried because we're flying through New York and the pandemic, the COVID was going nuts in New York at the time that we would be at risk. But um, in fact, the flight was completely empty. There, we were, there was probably there was one other couple in the cabin that we were in. Um, so that was quite reassuring. And I had a, I have a friend who had a baby through Canada and which was born two weeks after ours and came back two weeks later and they actually um, caught COVID on the plane on the way home. Um, oh, wow. So, what a lot of stress. So I feel like we just got out just, just in time. Mm. Um, did you have any support along the way from other intended parents? And what would you recommend in terms of getting that support and advice from other people that are going through it? Yeah, um, I use, there's a, there's a Facebook forum called Gay Intended Dads. Um, and I posted a lot of questions on there. Uh, and I reached, I sort of connected with a few others who were going through surrogacy in Canada. Uh, that was really helpful. And also searching Facebook, someone's probably asked the question before. So I would just search on the, on the, the different groups if that question had been asked. And there's always lots of information on there. Did you have any trouble when you did get back and coming through Sydney Airport? We were worried about that, but we, we didn't have any trouble. We'd actually bought a flight to New Zealand um, just in case, because technically Louis was coming in on a tourist visa um, as a Canadian citizen. And we thought they might ask, what's your departure journey? So we bought a, a refu completely refundable flight to New Zealand. Um, but they didn't even bat an eyelid when we came through the Australian customs. In fact, I think they were more worried about the people coming in from South Korea at the time who, who at the time you, wouldn't, you weren't allowed in the country and the people next to us were from South Korea and had just come, just come in and they were being sent back to biosecurity and um, it was crazy, the, the airport at that point. But, uh, yeah. we, had, we had our big N95 masks on coming through. In the last five months, you've been parenting in a pandemic. You're also a GP in a pandemic. Um, what's it been like finding your feet as parents um, in in lockdown? Been, it hasn't been what we imagined. Um, uh, we imagined that Mark would have, you know, Mark took, took parental leave and I work four days a week, so I'm at home a bit. We imagined that we'd be going out to cafes, we'd be catching up with parent groups, we'd be seeing our friends who've had babies. But literally, um, it was basically a, a four or five days after we got back we went into lockdown and so we were, it was just us in the house without any support. And it was, it was hard. It was really hard. Um, and like, yeah, quite anxiety provoking. And then me going back to work, I think was really anxiety provoking because Mark was terrified that I was going to catch COVID and get really sick. And then he would be alone looking after the baby or that we would all catch it and we'd all get really sick. Um, and so I went into hypervigilant mode, wearing scrubs, changing them before I come back into the, into home, washing my hands before I come home, um, putting my phone in like a Ziploc bag so that I wouldn't bring bugs home from work. Um, yeah, but it, it, thankfully it, it hasn't been that bad. Um, we, yeah, and, and thankfully I haven't, I haven't had a single COVID case in, the, in my clinic, which has been really lucky yet. Mm. Yeah, fingers crossed. 
So if you were talking to intended parents that were at the beginning of the journey, would you have any advice for them? And uh, if you were talking to them about going overseas, for example, do you have any advice about how they might navigate that and find the right options for them? Yeah, I, I guess do your due diligence. So take, take time, don't rush into anything. I'm the, the person that tends to just jump into the first solution because I'm in such a hurry to get to the outcome. Whereas Mark being a lawyer is very like cautious and risk averse and <laughs> um, wants to weigh up all the options and, and, and it, it's helped, it, it is good. You've got to interview different clinics, interview um, different fertility clinics, if that's what you're gonna do overseas, speak to lawyers, um, just gather as much information as you can. It seems so overwhelming when you first start, there's so much to know, uh, but just, do it just get it bit by bit and eventually it, it all comes together you'll understand how you're going to do it and how it's going to work and since coming back tell me about your relationship with Toya do you spend time with her on FaceTime uh, well she's not really a FaceTime we have FaceTime her she's not really a FaceTime person she's super busy but we do chat on WhatsApp um, probably two or three times a week uh, which is Great. She's actually her partner who was her support person during our um, surrogacy. She actually only, she met him whilst she was starting the surrogacy journey um, and said, and she said to him, if you aren't okay with me being a surrogate, then we probably shouldn't take this relationship any further. And he's been absolutely amazing. But they actually got engaged a couple of weeks ago and they've invited us to their wedding in 2022 if we can fly. Yeah. So, no, <laughs> Let's really hope so you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've, they've, they've basically become family. Yeah, they're so lovely. And that's lovely for Louis and also for her child as well to have that ongoing relationship, I think. Yeah, um, he's obviously too young to, to have any idea of anything like that. But now we look forward to, we made sure that we had a good relationship with the surrogate and we, we ended up we were very comfortable with her before we pursued anything and we also made sure that our donor was a known donor so that if louis ever did want to find out his genetic background when he's older he, he could that's amazing thank you for chatting with me rob that's been really useful and hopefully for other people that are considering canada in particular they should be able to use mm. this as a resource that's great yeah no problem Thank you for listening to the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. If you are looking for more information, you can find it on the blog. Listen to more podcast episodes at sarahjefford.com. You can also find me on Facebook and on Instagram. And if you want to get in touch, you can find me at sarah at sarahjefford.com.